0: Well, if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3 is where we're going to preach from tonight. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1, and then we'll jump down to verses number 12 through 14. And it is good to be in church tonight. I know I've said that, but it is good to be with God's people and get around and encourage each other. Just something about being in church. And, uh, you know, we had good, good services on Sunday Uh, What a good time we had, both Sunday morning, 8.30 service, Sunday morning at the 10 o'clock, and was just encouraged about uh, living a life of dedication and and shining for the Lord. And then Sunday night, just a good, good service with the, the testimonies. And so thank you for your faithfulness. You know, one of the things I love about woodland is the fact that the lord can have his way you know we might have a a little bit of a cue card set up or something like that but you know we're not afraid to let the lord work and if there's testimonies hey we'll let them happen and and we're glad to hear them so thankful we're thankful for your faithfulness well over the last uh you know in the few times that the preacher has been gone we kind of been delving around in the book of proverbs and uh i thought about doing it really i i had something all set up uh, yesterday and was going to go for it And then something just hit my mind uh, Yesterday probably about 4 o'clock And changed my mind on that And so I hope that I'm minding the will of the Lord And do what I'm supposed to do as far as preach But we're going to move away from that And we're going to look at 2 Timothy And it's page number 1280 In your Old Schofield Reference Bible If you want to turn there Page 1280 And so let me go ahead and read the scripture And then we'll get right into the, the message tonight The Bible says In 2 Timothy 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Then jump down to verse number 12. It says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing as we try to preach from his book tonight. Dear Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, thank you for this reminder that we have before us, God. and I pray that you would help us to be the salt and light of the earth. God, I pray that you would help me as I attempt to preach from a holy book behind a a holy desk. God, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord. I pray that I might say the things that you would have me to say and leave out the things you would have me to leave out. God, I pray for our church tonight, Lord. we, We have a faithful group of people that are here. They've come in the middle of the week and maybe some have not been able to grab a meal or maybe some have not been able to go home and change, getting off work, but they have a desire to be here, God. And I pray that you'd give them that uh, heavenly food from on high, God, that would help them to live out these days that we're living in, God. And I pray that you'd be with our preacher tonight. I pray that you'd give him uh, power as he preaches down there, God, and just anoint him, give him safety as he travels back as our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, throughout our life, circumstances, they call on us from time to time to be present And accounted for. You know, you might be here today and maybe you're going through some major, major health issue. But you know what, your job still expects you to be there. Or maybe you're battling some severe sadness, or maybe you even have some depression in your heart, if truth be known. Maybe you don't come to church and you have a sign on yourself saying that I'm sad or I'm depressed. But you know what, even in the midst of that, your children still need a mom and dad. Or your children or your grandkids still need a grandmother or a grandpa. Maybe you're grieving today over a loss of a loved one, and, and, and we understand that, but yet you still have a spouse to love and a family to cherish, or maybe you have some worry about the future, but every day, the responsibilities still have to be taken care of. You gotta get up and you gotta go to work and take care of those things, and that's not to minimize any of the things that you're, that you're going through, and it's not to, to, to discredit that, but when all around us seems to be abnormal, And boy, that's the understatement of the day. We're living in abnormal days, but we need to do what is normal. No matter what the world scene is, no matter what picketing is going on, no matter what rioting is going on, the Bible tells us that we are to remain disciplined. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2, it says that we're to be instant, in season, out of season, we know that the, the, the application there or the, the interpretation uh, of actually what was going on, Paul was speaking to Timothy. You know, Timothy was kind of a protege and was kind of a student of Paul, and Paul was telling Timothy, as you preach, but I think we can make the application in our life that we as Christians were to be instant in season, and out of season. We're all going to have times where we feel like we're out of season. We're just things aren't coming naturally and we're just, we don't feel like going on for the Lord, but we're to do the right thing no matter what is going on in our life. You know, we are all subject to mood swings. We can be affected by the news. We can have apprehension about certain things. We can have phobias, you know, and all those things can try to push us away from what we know to do. You know, the early church, was they were going through perilous times. They were going through dangerous times, and we won't take the time tonight to go into all the persecution that they were facing. But Paul himself, as he was writing in the book of 2 Timothy, and he's writing to Timothy, he was actually sitting in Rome and in a jail cell. He was about to be killed, and he says, "...that this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come." You know, Paul wrote the scriptures under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. We believe that every word is inspired in the, in the word of God. And he says that perilous times will come. You know, we know that theologically. We know that that's in the word of God. But I wonder with all that's going on, I wonder if in the next year or in the next two years, or in the next four years, the next eight years, the next 12 years, I wonder if that persecution is going to come to the United States of America. And I'm not here to try to be a doom and gloom type person tonight, but I, I also, in my Christian life, I want to be cognizant. I want to stand ready and stand sure for the Lord should that come. We need to decide today what we're going to do when we have to decide later on down the road. Are we going to stand for Christ? I believe, uh, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture here at Woodland Baptist Church. We believe that the rapture is the next prophesied event on the timeline of prophecy. But you know what? That doesn't mean that that, that, that's going to be an escape for us out of this world and out of maybe possible persecution. You know, there are many causes, and I believe in the freedom of speech tonight. But you know what? The number one cause around Woodland Baptist Church should be that of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are supposed to lift up high the blood-stained banner. You know, there might come a time when government might come down on the church and say that we have to do certain things. They might come down on us and say we have to hire a certain somebody with a certain lifestyle that maybe the Bible is not for. But, you know, the number one cause around Woodland should be that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we intend to live for that cause, if we intend to stand for that cause, we need to be ready to take a stand. I want to give you three basic things tonight about how we can stand. We read in chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, uh, chapter 3 and verse number 1, this, know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Boy, we're living in perilous times. That word perilous just simply means an unraveling things are just coming apart. They're falling apart. They're becoming unhinged. You know, we see anarchy in the streets. We see looting. We see violence. We see rioting. We see the destruction of monuments. We see the unraveling of our freedom. We see the unraveling of those that stand for the faith. We see the unraveling of our one nation, under God. It seems like all this is coming apart. We see the unraveling of the traditional biblical definition of marriage. One man and one lady for life we see that unraveling right before our eyes we see the unraveling of the god ordained genders we see the unraveling of the sanctity of life and the specialty of life we see the unraveling of capitalism right before our eyes and we see socialism and marxism trying to creep in to our, our country we see the unraveling of our freedom to worship You know, I don't know if you saw on the news, but just yesterday, Oregon had a vote, and they actually passed. Oregon became the first state to decriminalize the possession of what they would call a small amount of street drugs. So now they have decriminalized people that have a small amount of cocaine and heroin and methamphetamine. Can you imagine the Portland riots, and then you add methamphetamines to it, and you add cocaine to it, and you add heroin to it? My, we see the unraveling. You might ask, well, what in the world is going on in 2020? Why has this happened so What do we do? Or how do we get through this? Why would God allow this? And I believe that great Christians from time to time have doubt. You know, Peter doubted. Thomas doubted. John the Baptist doubted. Even as he was facing death, he was getting ready to have his life taken, and yet he doubted. You know, it's not a sin to doubt, but it is a sin to remain in that doubt. We have the answers right here in the Word of God. Look at, look at chapter 3 and verse number 14. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So the Bible here tells us that we are to continue. I want to look at three basic things this evening. If we are going to continue during this, these perilous times, during these unraveling times, what three words can we take with us? Number one, we're going to have to be people of courage. We're going to have to be people of courage in this day of difficulty. Look at verse number 12. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And look back at 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 1. Paul here again, he's speaking to Timothy. He says, Thou therefore, my son, what's the next two words? He says, be strong. He's telling Timothy, he says, I want you to be strong. Strong. We have to be courageous in these crazy times, in these unraveling times. The people of God must be strong. We must be courageous. Jesus did not say to take up your pillow, He said to take up your cross and follow me. He said, Put your hand to the plow. You know, it sounds like the Christian life won't always be easy. In John 16 and verse number 33, it says, These things have I spoken unto you that in me Ye might have peace. And then look what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Bible is telling us, hey, we might have tribulation, but he says, hey, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know what it sounds like? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I think of that song, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? It's page number 132 in our songbook. And it says says this, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Verse number 2, it says, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? You know, sometimes we think the Christian life is just going to be flowery beds of ease. Then it says, while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas. Then, verse uh, number four, it says, Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. May my courage be increased. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported. By thy word. You know, we're not promised a bed of roses. You know, sometimes we think, boy, we're really going through it because we have to wear a mask to a church. And we think about the early church and all the persec- persecutions they went through, times of where they were burned at the stake and they were hung on a cross. Some of them were even hung on a cross upside down. Some of them were tarred in feathers and, and burned alive. And they went through all these things. And yet we think we're going through it because we have to wear a mask to church. And we think, boy, we're really facing persecution. Verse number 12, it says, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse number 12, it says, And yea, all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. You know, I want to ask you and ask myself, will we continue on during the difficult times? Will we be faithful during the perilous times, during the times of unraveling? Acts chapter 14 and verse number 22, it says, Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the face. Let me encourage Woodland Baptist Church. Let's all determine that we are going to just simply continue. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on the next week or in the next year or in the next five years, may we just continue in spite of anarchy, in spite of atheism around us, in spite of God haters. We must continue. It's prophesied in the Bible that perilous times will come. We are to be courageous. Years ago, Hillary Clinton, I almost feel like I cussed in the pulpit just now saying that. But Hillary Clinton, politi- she was at a political rally and she was pushing late-term late term abortions. And now it's even become infanticide, where if they they say that you know if they botch a, an abortion and the baby's born, they'll just try to give peace to the baby, but go ahead and take its life. That's simply infanticide. But here's what Hillary Clinton said a few years ago. She said, "There are deep." Seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases which have to be changed. In other words, you know what she was saying? She was saying, You and I that believe that life begins at conception, she was saying that we must change. She says that for those that don't change, there might be, for those of us that believe that way, there might come difficulty, there might come persecution. You know what? I don't want to go looking for trouble. But you know what? The Bible says that in some days we might suffer persecution. There will be those that want to change our deep-seated religious beliefs. You go to work, and I think Miss Lisa gave the testimony Sunday night how she worked in an environment that was just godless, and you know, many of you probably work in those type of environments, and you're around people that maybe curse and don't believe in God, and they scoff at the thought of you going to, to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but we've got to just be resilient and be courageous during this time and say, hey, no matter what the world does, no matter what the world tries to get me to go with I am going to be courageous. They're going to be those that try to change our deep-seated religious beliefs. May we stand for Christ. You know, by the way, the Constitution, it gives us the liberty to believe according to the dictates of our own conscience from the Bible. You know, not another person can say we can't believe the way we want to believe. Some will do all they can to change that, but may we have courage in the day of difficulty. We need courage in the day of difficulty, but we also need courage in the day of deception. Verse number 13, it says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It says, hey, in the last day, there's going to be folks that deceive and are deceived. You know, these are people that are made, those that are deceived, they're non-discerning. You know, we're told in the Bible, we are to be spiritual. We are to be spirit-led. You know, we see people being deceived today. They get drawn into a cause. You know, Satan is an amazing, clever person, entity, I should say. He doesn't announce he's going to trick us. He subtly brings the change. He subtly distorts something. He he subtly comes along and says, Hey, he's been doing that ever since the Garden of Eden. He came to Adam and Eve and said, Yea, hath God said. He's been deceiving ever since then. Six thousand years later, fast forward to today. He is still in the business of deceiving. You know, before you know it, the even words have a different meaning. And in the culture which we live, before we know it, the culture is shifting. The culture is changing. They'll take a, a little cute phrase like Black Lives Matter, and all of a sudden a all kinds of people go running to that cause, and then we look up and see on their website that they are to—they want to destroy the American family as we know it. They want to push their agenda, and before you know it, hundreds and thousands of people are running down the street with BLM BLM signs, not realizing what they're getting sucked into. We, if we're not careful, the devil will deceive us. He is very much influencing and deceiving the world. The Bible says that it will wax worse and worse. You know what I'm concerned about is that deception is creeping into the church. Now all of a sudden there are churches, liberal churches, that they deny the inspiration of the Bible. I heard of a church down in Atlanta a little while ago who they decided, the pastor decided that he believed that the Old Testament was not actually the word of God. This is the same church that decided they're not going to have church until January of next year. You know, if I, I guess if I didn't believe half of the Bible, it really wouldn't matter if we had church or not. But they're a liberal churches They're denying the inspiration of the Bible. They're denying the power of the gospel. We have some churches, not our church, praise the Lord, but there are some churches more interested in a social gospel than a saving gospel. There are some churches that believe in cleaning up the world rather than getting people to the next world. There, there are some people who, they're more interested in saving a whale than saving a life. There are some churches that they want to have a discussion rather than a red hot, fiery preaching from the word of God. And there are liberal churches out there. This world and even churches are being seduced and deceived as the verse says. You know, we have smooth talking liberal preachers and non-believers drawing them away. The Bible Says in First Timothy four and verse one it says now the Spirit speaketh expressly so we know the word of God it's it's ordained it's it's inspired it's infallible but now Paul says now the Spirit speaketh speaketh expressly so Paul is trying to emphasize it he he says hey not only is the Bible true but now I'm trying to uh, emphasize and say hey the Spirit is speaking expressly and it says that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You know, this is known as what we call apostasy, or a falling away from the truth. You know, before they know it, they are drawn away from their faith. All of a sudden, maybe it could be somebody that sat in our auditorium 510, uh, maybe 15 years ago, maybe a few years ago, maybe a few months ago, and all of a sudden, what, what happens? The devil comes along and seduces them, or a friend comes along and seduces them. All of a sudden, they're involved in things that they never thought they would have been involved in. All of a sudden, they're embracing false philosophy. All of a sudden, they're embracing false doctrine. All of a sudden, they're embracing a lifestyle that does not run in accordance with the Word of God and is not pleasing to the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the Son, of perdition. You know, the Bible says, hey, we need to guard against being seduced. We need to guard. We need to be prudent people that are on the lookout and just being cautious of, hey, hey is that a seducing spirit? They're not going to come to you with, with horns on their head, and they're not going to come to you with a pitchfork in their hand, but all of a sudden that friend can come in and, and plant seeds of doubt and can say something against the local church, or say something against your preacher, or say something against the leadership of the church, and before you know it, you're being deceived. And next thing you know, we're wondering, where is so and so? We need to be careful about that. We need to guard our hearts. You know, the, yesterday, um, I, my son goes to school here, and we got in the car together to come to church, to come to school, and I was going to drop him off, and uh, we I typically listen to a Christian radio station, and they play songs. And I figured for November third, it being election day, that we were going to be able to hear some patriotic music. And so I said something to Mason. I said, "Man, where's the patriotic music?" And he's kind of looking at me like, "Dad, what are you talking about?" You know. And I said, "Man, it's it's election day. I was thinking they'd play some patriotic music," and uh, so there was no music. Then I got home that afternoon, and we've got one of those little Google devices, and you talk to Google, and you tell it to play, you know, the certain radio stations. So the radio stations started playing. And sure enough, song after song after song after song was patriotic music. And I thought, this is great. And I got through about one minute of it and I thought, I can't listen to that. My heart's all tore up, you know, about everything going on. Why? Because I'm burdened about our country. You know, I don't know what the road's going to hold for us ahead. I'm like, I I don't want to be doom and gloom, but hey, I also want to be a realist. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what, if if Biden gets in, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I couldn't listen to it. I was just so burned. But you know what? The thought came across, and I think I told my wife about it, the thought came across my heart and my mind that, hey, no matter what comes, I want to be resilient. I want to be courageous. I want to be strong in the Lord, as the Bible tells us. In the midst of all that, in the midst of all this, we need to pray that God will give us courage to stand. You know, perilous times are here, unraveling times are here, but we must be courageous. We must be courageous in our Bible reading. We must be courageous in our prayer life. We must be courageous with our giving. We must be courageous with our witness. Now's not the time to, to think to ourselves, oh, boy, no one wants to talk to me uh, about salvation, you know, the COVID. They don't want me to get up close to them, and I'm not saying you have to, but we can still be a witness. We st- people still need to hear the gospel during this time. We need to be courageous with our church attendance. So not only should we continue on in but number two, We should continue on in our convictions. We need to hold to what we know to be right. You know, people that we revere will occasionally, they might throw in the towel or they might fall or they might walk away from the things of God, but that's why we must always, always keep our eye. On the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our goal. You know, we might have somebody fail us. I remember as a teenager, certain there was a certain preacher, and he preached at our camp, and we got the news about this certain thing happening. Boy, our youth group was devastated. But you know what? We just had to determine. Hey, let's keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come what may, let's keep our eyes on Christ. Don't let your mind be affected by outside circumstances. Don't let your mind be affected by outside hurt. I heard that statement years ago and I wrote it down. Help me to never doubt in the night what God gave in the light. You know, did he speak to you? Did he give you a burden for something? Did he give you a burden for a ministry? Did he give you a burden for the bus ministry? Did he give you a burden for the choir? Did he give you a burden to usher? Did he give you a burden to maybe a greeter? And the next thing you know, maybe hard times hit on your life, and you think, boy, maybe I'm not really being used. Is this really being effective? Hey, don't doubt in the night what God gave in the light Go back to that point where God maybe called you to do a certain something or he gave you that burden. Don't doubt. Second 2 Thessalonians 2:2, 2, 2, it says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. Hey, Paul's saying, Hey, don't be shaken in mind. Don't be shaken. Don't, don't, don't waver. Don't be wondering, boy, boy, should I really be doing this? <coughs> R. Kent Hughes, he's an author. He wrote this statement. He said, The modern church is lacking in its ability to remain uncontaminated by the Christian thinking and morality of contemporary culture. Let me repeat that again. It says the modern church is lacking in its ability to remain uncontaminated by the Christian thinking and morality of contemporary culture. You know what that's saying? If we're not careful, we allow the world to creep into our church, and we allow the philosophies to creep into our church. That's why our pastor will stand up and thunder out against certain things, and he might thunder out against music, or thunder out against this, or that. Why? Because he's, he's the shepherd of this church. He's the under-shepherd. He wants to follow, we're to follow him as he follows Christ, and uh, so we need to be on the lookout for that. You know, there's a tendency to move away from our beliefs during hard times. You know, the men and women who have moved the world are the men and women that the world could not move. You know, you look down through time and you see those that were used, the Billy Sundays and the D.L. Moody's and the Charles Spurge and all these different men of God. You know what? These men and women, they were the ones who moved the world but the world could not move them. You know, there have been people who have stood with courageous convictions in the midst of perilous times. You know, at times, we all would, we wouldn't mind just going and hiding under a rock and just throwing in the towel and living on an island to ourselves, but we must hunker down and stay faithful. We must stay true to our convictions. We must stay true to our convictions of doctrine. Look at verse number 14. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, And has been assured of. Hey, Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, I want you to continue. I want you to to stay in those things which you have learned and has been assured of. No matter what's going on. Continue on. You say, but Brother Mark, the sky is falling. The government this or the government that. Or you might say, Brother Mark, my 401K is down. Or maybe my my Roth IRAs are down. The stock market's down. Or COVID-19 cases are up. Or my son has this. Or the doctor gave me this report. The Bible says in verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. We are to continue You know, I learned some things when I was a young boy in a youth group. I'm glad that I learned things like the fact that I was a sinner and I needed Christ and that others need Christ also. I'm glad that I learned to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I'm glad that I learned that I'm to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Just be here. Anytime the doors are open, I'm glad that I learned that if I were to offend another brother, I'm to go to them and ask for forgiveness and I'm to walk in the Spirit. But hey, let's not ditch those things. Let's not put those aside. Let's just continue. You know, it's a trick of the devil to get us to not continue, to get us to move away from being faithful. He'll use difficult times. He'll use the media in our life. He'll use the news in our life to just, just get us discouraged and get us under the juniper tree and get us down and get us out and get us doubting and questioning. Hey, are what we doing is really effective? I want to encourage all of us, here at Woodland Baptist Church. Let's continue. We need to continue in our convictions of doctrine. We need to continue in our convictions of discipleship, of just simply following Christ and leading others to Christ. Some might say, you know, I've heard this said before, well, I don't follow any man. And that sounds so spiritual. But you know what the Bible says? That we are to follow Christ. And the fact of the matter of God uses human Instruments. You know, the apostle Paul said on three different occasions, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's nothing wrong with following after somebody, a godly example, maybe a, a godly pastor or a godly pastor's wife or a godly deacon or a godly deacon's wife. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you have maybe had Christian parents or maybe you had a youth leader or maybe who has fallen away. But you know what? What they taught you is still true. What they taught you is still true. That's the test of your faith. The Bible says in Second Timothy one, in verse number five, it says, "When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that the, and, and I am persuaded that in thee." also. Paul's saying, hey, I saw it in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother, and now I'm seeing it in you. That's what we're to do. We're to just pass it down to the next generation. Let's pass it on to our children. Let's pass it on to our grandkids. Let's pass it on to those around us. Let's pass it on to those that might visit here in our church and maybe get saved and follow the Lord and believers baptism. Let's just stay, stay in our convictions of discipleship. So number one, we are to continue with our courage, work to continue with our convictions. And then lastly, we must maintain confidence in God's word. We must maintain confidence in God's word. Look what it says in verse number 15. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You know, God's word is a rock. That never, ever changes. You know, times might change. Society might change. But this book will never change. The principles never change. What it teaches us about male and female never changes. What it teaches us about abortion never changes. What it teaches us about being faithful to the house of God never changes. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 21, For the prophecy, meaning the the word of God, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know, this is not man's book. This is God's book. We're to follow the word of God. The Bible says that people, the, the men, the, 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 50, the, the 40 different authors that wrote the book over a span of 1,500 years, they wrote as God spoke to them. We believe this is the word of God. We don't believe just the New Testament. We don't believe just the Old Testament. We believe all of it, all 66 books. This is not man's book. It's God's book. Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, it says, For the word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, there's just something about getting under the sound of the word of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You're the Wednesday night crowd that's here. But there's just something about being under the sound of the preaching of the word of God it says the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what this Bible does? It does surgery on your heart. It does surgery on my life. It it might come in, and it might see a little bit of cancer, and the Word of God can go in and do a work, and get that cancer out. You know, maybe sometimes we'll come into a service, and maybe there's something wrong between us and our Lord, and the the pastor will get up and preach, and thunder out the Word of God, and we hit the altar, and we make things right. Why? Because the Word of God is quick, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I want to encourage you, just keep coming during these perilous times, during these difficult times. Just keep on coming. Maybe you're here listening over the internet, and and maybe you're not able to come. I want to encourage you, just keep on watching. You know what? Uh, You take any servant of God, you take any Christian, and if they were to get away from preaching from the Word of God for even four or six months, I guarantee you there's a great, great chance that you will lose confidence in the word of God. If you get away from it, you're likely to lose confidence. All of a sudden you think, well, maybe church isn't so important. You know, the word of God and preaching, it's more powerful than counseling. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing counseling, but the preaching of the word of God is more important than politics. The preaching of the word of God is more important than having a discussion, but we must have a revival of the obedience to the word of God. We must have a confidence in the word of God. There have been difficult times for Christians in the past. First century church, boy, they went through persecution. They went through martyrdom. And you, you look through time from 0 AD all the way up to 2000 now. There's been different times of persecution, much more than what we might face or have faced or are facing. But you know what? Through it, through it all, God raises up strong leaders. God raises up strong Christians. You know what? They Throughout the dark ages, they tried to stamp out the gospel and they tried to move it aside, but you know what? God rose up leaders. God rose up different men like John Huss and, and different men that would preach and some of them were even thrown into the river and persecuted and ended up losing their life, but God will always raise up certain people and raise up Christians if we are just willing. You know what? I don't know what lies ahead in the next 4, 8, 12, 12 years, but you know what thing? One thing that I know, I do not want to be on the sideline watching it all happen. I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be in the middle of uh, being faithful to church and seeing folks saved, and seeing folks baptized, and seeing Woodland Baptist Church go on and do great things. I want to be in my place during the perilous times. I want to be in my place during the unraveling. I want to see lives change. I want to see miracles happen. You know, 1 Corinthians one eighteen, it says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You know what? The world might think what we're doing is foolish. Unsaved friends might scorn, but it says, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You talk about somebody that probably felt foolish. Can you imagine Noah? Noah being told by God, God spoke to Noah and said, Noah, it's going to rain. I want you to go up and I want you to spend, some people say 120 years, some people say 70 years, but whatever. It was a long time that Noah spent building the ark. Let's just say he spent 75 years building the ark. Can you imagine all those that would come around and say, Noah, what are you doing? You're building an ark for what? Something, some moisture is going to fall out of the sky? It's going to be rain? And people would probably look at Noah and say, you are foolish. What about David? Can you imagine little old David? Here's little old David, here's big Goliath. David comes running up and he's got a, all he's got is a sling and five rocks in his hand, and he's getting ready to try to take out Goliath. Can you imagine how foolish David looked? Can you imagine how uh, foolish Peter looked when he was on the boat and he, he began to step outside of the boat and step onto the water? Can you imagine how foolish he looked? But you know what? Sometimes people might say we look foolish, but you know what? If all we are concerned about is how we look, we'll probably miss the miracle of God. We'll probably miss the fact that Noah was able to get on the ark and his family and they were all saved. And all of a sudden that rain came down. We'll miss the time when little David takes that sling and that rock goes and hits David right in the face. Boy, he looked, he looked foolish, he looked, he looked probably retarded, in the, in not, not, not that, that's probably not a good word, but uh, he probably looked just foolish in the eyes of people. May we not be concerned about what we look like. You know, we might just see God do something great if our concern is staying faithful during the difficult times. If we're going to say to ourselves, hey, I don't care how it looks. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what my unsaved friends say. I don't care what my coworkers say. I am going to stay faithful during the difficult time. I'm going to keep my confidence in the word of God. I'm going to keep my confidence in the gospel. You know, the gospel still works even during COVID. You know what? The gospel still works even during a nation when we're in limbo about who's going to become president. The gospel still works. I want to continue during the difficult times. I want to continue when there's not enough money in the bank. I want to continue when when maybe your your health is failing. I want to keep continuing. I want to continue when there is maybe an unease politically. I want to keep going on for the Lord. Maybe there's tension in the home. You know, I still want to go on. I want to be faithful. I want to continue. It's easy to serve God when everything is going well. You know, this is not the time to get defensive. This is not the time to withdraw and just say, well, you know, the church is a little different. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine several weeks ago, and I was asking him, and I knew he, he knew some people that uh, were in fairly good-sized churches. And I said, what have you heard about attendance, and what's it doing? And he said, well, about the number that I've heard is about 70%. That would probably be about true here. Preacher said not too long ago, we've kind of dipped from 1,500 down to 1,000 or so. That's about 70%. But you know what? Now's not the time to withdraw. Now's not the time to get cold about serving the Lord. Hey, we must do it so much the more as you see the day approach. And we need Christians to rise up and say, hey, I'm going to be counted. I'm going to continue. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to hold to my convictions. I'm going to just keep on going. I'm going to have confidence in the word of God. Now's the time to say, God, give me courage. Help me to hold on to my convictions. Help me to be a Christian with confidence. You know, during these unraveling times, these perilous times, help me to continue. Verse number 14, it says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I want to encourage you. How's your walk with the Lord? Are you courageous? Do you feel like, hey... I'm going to just go at it. I'm just going to keep going at it. I'm going to keep working my bus route. I'm going to keep greeting people. I'm going to keep singing in the choir. I'm going to keep being faithful to church. How's your courage? Is it waning a little bit? Has the news got you down? Has the the COVID crisis got you down? I want to encourage you, be courageous. I want to encourage you, hold to your convictions. Maybe you were taught some things years ago and you feel like you're slipping up. Hold to those convictions. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Hold to it. Have confidence in the Word of God. Maybe you've lost confidence tonight. Maybe you're a parent, and maybe your child has is, is grown now, and they're a young adult, and they've wandered. And you've begin to lose confidence in the things of God. You've thought, well, Lord, has it really panned out for the way, the way that I wanted it to? The Bible still says, hey, train up with this child in the way he should go. And when he is old... He will not depart from it. As long as that child is still taking breath, there is still time for that child to come back to God. Let's not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now is not the time to faint. Now is not the time to withdraw. Now is not the time to let up. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. By way of invitations, it's 804.